Oh. For a second, I was like, I don't, I can't rewrite the whole site this week. It's been a while since I like built out a product. So. And it looks like the, you know, the CMS, like all the components look really cool, like easy, like intuitive. Yeah. She did a really great job. I'm really stoked about it. It's nice. a little we'll plug right here at the top of the show. <laughs> we hired someone off of our platform to do a future release for our marketing site, and it's wonderful. She crushed it. Yeah. Well, welcome. I feel like, I feel like you're also having a busy day. I am. I mean, you know, there are always busy days, but today's been a particularly good busy day. Oh, I just noticed you're wearing a high wire hat, too. I know. And you know what? An interesting story. Everyone that I've encountered that has noticed that it has called out that I'm wearing a that I'm wearing a high wire hat is always they're always cool people. Literally always. Really? People. Yeah. Okay. I actually got special treatment at the at the Ryman Auditorium the uh the last show I was at because I had this hat. Like the dude nice. was like giving me like cut in line stats. Nice. I was like, high wire hat, man. This is the key to life. Apparently. I feel like so, that happens occasionally when like, uh, I mean, obviously we have a lot of uh, beer stuff from Colorado. So when people out here in Asheville see that and they've been there, they're like, oh yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yep. Spent many of my dollars at these places. Yeah. You've gone from beer hub to beer hub. Yeah. And if we hadn't moved to Asheville, we were going to move to Portland. So <laughs> I'm seeing a three line here. Yeah. Yep, there is. And we actually, when we went on our trip out east, um, we checked out Portland, Maine, which is a big beer city out east. Yep. Really cool. I wish we'd spent a little bit more time there. I, I just love the whole, you know, beer pub, the you know, brew pub thing. And um, and, and they're such good experiences. I don't know if you've been the, to the Sierra one in Asheville, but that's like oh, super yeah. Like highly recommended, like worth a trip to Asheville, worth a trip to Sierra Nevada, to just to go do that. It's awesome. It's like it's like a like an adult playground. Well, I know. It's um, nice. Yeah, that's like it's usually like if uh, especially if we pick somebody up from the airport, like anywhere around high traffic time, go hang out at Sierra Nevada for an hour or two. Yeah. Yeah. There are another couple of big big companies that have opened campuses out here. They're cool, like the um, I was gonna say Fat Tire, and that's not a that's the beer. Um, wow, I drink her <laughs> all the time. New Belgium. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, we like going there because it feels like a little bit like <laughs> a little flavor at home. Yeah, I, I it's uh, I love New Belgium, and they're. Uh, um, who else is out there that that people might know of? Uh, Oscar Blues has a campus. Oscar Blues, in. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's a pretty cool spot too. Is it? It's all open, so I've never been there in the winter. That whole area of the state's really beautiful. So yeah, I agree. Now that we've kvetched about all of the great craft beer places around us, uh, that is not what Gray and I are here to talk about today. <laughs> Gray is joining me today to talk about the first email sent from space. I do feel like this is pretty fitting because uh, the last one we did was the first, uh, Tyler and I talked about the first transatlantic, um, first transatlantic telegraph cable. So like to go from that to first email from space, 
kind of cool. Yeah, and that was like what 1850, like something ridiculously long ago. Yeah, 1858, I believe. So today we're going to, we're going forward from the telegraph, back from the future. Uh, we're going to August 9th, 1991, on board the space shuttle Atlantis. Uh, aboard the Atlantis were two astronauts, James James Adis- Adamson and Shannon Lucid, uh, who decided to embark on an extraordinary mission of their own. Armed with a Mac portable, which is a really cool, I don't know if you saw any pictures of it. It's about this big, and it has just like a little flip-up screen. Like the very first prototype of like a MacBook, I guess. <laughs> you look like something from Lost in Space. Yes. <laughs> a phenomenon we've noticed since we've got on orbit here of uh, the automatic uh, disc ejection system that the uh, Mac has. And that you can see uh, when we get rid of these discs, uh, you're going to have to pay attention to where they go. That's pretty slick. So they were the first ones to try to send an email from space. Uh, in a message that combined humor, adventure, and a nod to the always classic Terminator, they wrote, Hello Earth, greetings from the STS-43 crew. This is the first Apple link from space. Having a great time. Wish you were here. Send Cryo on RCS. Hasta la vista, baby. We'll be back. Which I hope so. A, a more daunting message would really be worrisome. Um, that traveled through the vast expanse of space and reached the Johnson Space Center in Houston on that day. To achieve this, they had to connect with Apple's proprietary network. They used a specially configured Apple Link software. Uh, this allowed their trusty Macintosh portable to interface with NASA's communications system, which is pretty cool. I think that at this point, the Apple Link was only really set up for dealers and employees to use. Uh, so they hooked it up. This was like kind of one of the first forays into hooking it up to an external communication system, and it was NASA's. The computer that they used didn't even require like very many modifications, still worked flawlessly in the weightless environment of space, which I think they have a lot of problems with in general. Um, and, you know, it's kind of like this This kind of marked, um, like I was just saying, we just talked about last week, um, the first time you could communicate with somebody on another continent. And here it is, like, reaching the frontier of being able to send an email through space. And that was, I mean, I guess maybe 140 years. That's pretty astronomical growth for that long. Right on, like a yeah on on the scale of yeah civilization, right? Like it's no time; it's a blip. Yeah, I think my favorite part was the Terminator quote, which also kind of circles back because the last time you were on here, we were talking about another pop culture reference. Man, um, yeah, I think it's interesting that there there are generally like a lot of ties between pop culture and things that are like, um significant in the scheme of technology i think one of the other things we talked about on the podcast in another episode was uh like the code red worm where it was named after mountain dew code red it's the same thing as putting an easter egg in the, in a you know in in software for me you know yeah there there's the idea that you know massive innovation is happening groundbreaking things are happening that you no one ever thought possible that 
somehow some team somewhere figured out how to do a thing it's 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 alienating right like you don't feel connected with that and then you drop an hasta la vista baby in there and it's like oh yeah like these people watch the same movies i do it brings it like immediately back to like this is this is kind of a we think like i could live next door to the person that did that that's a really good point you know the humanization of that where it, it takes something super foreign and then makes it like in instantly tangible right and instantly relatable is a is a big is a big deal especially on the like the marketing team we've been talking a lot lately about humanization and it's like how do you how do you find those common threads of connection that still you know make you interested in something that might otherwise be like sort of esoteric to you you know uh, and that's like like you're saying like a perfect example you take something that's how do you explain the complexities of sending an email from space at a point in time which when email wasn't even really like a thing we weren't emailing right. people in the early 90s no 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 there's the humanization and then to your point about about email and technology in general i mean we weren't really even you know you had to connect you know nasa obviously has some you know security and all kinds of other you know moving parts here but just in terms of like the raw functioning of the technology i mean you're dealing with closed systems and proprietary protocols and there was no there was no way for an out of the box system just to magically connect to to nasa no one was using there was no out of the box right, right. like the, they were, they like, were all in box for this yeah we built our own box you know yeah. and, and your box is not you know so so I think that the idea that you, that this was all this is also a story about you know interoperability is it's it's about protocol it's about integration like there's some sort of macro kind of interesting things here that yeah yes it's about sending an email but is it I don't think it really is it's 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 about it's about messaging. It's about, you know, networks. It's about the, you know, what's the logical extreme of that that we're, you see, I mean, this was a long time ago. So we've seen the logical extension of, of what that looks like today. And it was maybe 20, 25 years before that, where you could even, where there was even interoperability among like a system created by a single brand. So like, you know, that was the first time like IBM made their 360 system and everything could, you know, could be updated and backdated and stuff like that. So to go from that in the span of, you know, like 20-ish years to like, you can now connect an Apple computer to a NASA communication system and email somebody in space. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 another I mean, not to be cheesy about it, but it's like it's actually another frontier. We're talking about space, you know, yeah. like as a thing. <laughs> but the idea that communication can exist between systems and now between, you know, like space and terrestrial systems is also like that's a new canvas. That's a new frontier in itself, you know, yeah. that has has also has its own, you know, development arc um, from a technology so like it's symbolic it, like right that, that it was that was that was an event that also happened um yeah in the midst of you know atlantis and, and everything that they were doing in space it's, it's like it's kind of cool yeah 
I think I think that everyone, especially when when you're a kid, everyone dreams like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to go to space and live on Mars? And how yeah, think- far off that seemed even thirty years ago. Mm-hmm. Um when things like this were starting to happen. And now it's like we're we're talking about building living quarters on foreign planets. And you'd still be able to like the idea that that is possible started with the seed of something like, can you even send an email? Can you get information from here to there that allows you to be like thriving and engaged from the other side of the solar system? Yeah. And I think, you know, the interesting flip there for me is, you know, considering something as being possible or impossible versus sort of inevitable. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. And so, or right. The idea is, is it possible to somehow colonize Mars? It's just like, when are we going to do it? And what's, what are the enabling tools that are going to allow us to get there? You know? So it's not, it's not even a matter of possibility anymore. We don't really think in those terms. I, I, I don't think about impossible. doesn't really seem like a, a thing that we, that feels like a constraint to us you know the constraint almost feels like what are the tools that are available right this minute to make that happen and then how do we develop the tools that make this inevitability reality yeah 100 percent. and and part of the part of the macro here is um you know what what was represented in the apple link you know to nasa proprietary messaging whatever they had going on there is that it it created the the very first link between what would ultimately become infrastructure, you know? And so, like, there was no infrastructure, so it was very much like the, the Wild West. There, Without infrastructure, you have to have sort of a frontier mentality. And then with infrastructure, it's it's more of a development mentality, you know? So you're, because you're developing on known systems and infrastructure. And so the the inevitability i think when we think about like you know you know more, more trips to to the moon or to mars or anything that you can sort of imagine right there it's really it's going to be predicated on the infrastructure that exists in order to do that yeah so right and so the the idea that we're that we have you know basically a, a mesh satellite network that can connect to what well, you know the the known internet at this point from space doesn't seem doesn't seem that even complex or or even advanced to us at this point. But that's infrastructure that we continue to build on. And so the ideas are enabled by this sort of core infrastructure. And as that expands, the only constraint really is the physical distance. But the patterns are going to be the same, right? It's going to be like some infrastructure is going to attach to some other infrastructure that's going to enable all kinds of development. But it's no longer sort of a, a, the the idea of it being impossible is 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 just a matter of sort of what stage of development are we in? Especially when you can stand out and look up the night sky and see you know rows but, of satellites being being lifted off, and that just represents you know like another. Well, it represents a lot of things, but like in this context, it's look at how much more global communication we're enabling, look at how much more, you know, like, is it limited to global communication? What else can those satellites be used for up there once they've already been launched? Um, 
And I think another side of that is like there gets to be some like muddy waters between like who owns that technology and how does that um is it always for the betterment of of things of of furthering scientific research is it for the betterment of people in general or is it only benefiting the celebrity yeah i think that's a great question and i mean optimistically you know you you would you would think that it would be a unifying thing but you know you know, realistically, there, there, there's going to have to be some governance there, and we we should assume that there, it's going to be there are going to be territorial disputes. You know, and so and so, how do we how do we deal with that as as we expand? Which you know, to to a large degree, I think kind of brings us back to the first point, which is like what what's the role in humanization? What's the role in, in you know scientists? being as front yeah. and center as the science or, or the, you know, the innovators as much as the innovation and making it feel like a we thing and not like a us and they kind of thing. There's a lot of we and they going on, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. It feels so quickly out of, uh, it's, it feels so quickly out of control when you're kind of just like somebody who's sitting by the sidelines watching all of this innovation happen. And it's, you know, like, I feel like that constant kind of tug with a lot of AI stuff where it's like, well, how much of, how much am I contributing to this tool by using it? And at what point do the makers of it have to assume responsibility for what they've created? that's going to keep happening and how you know what responsibility do we have on a universal literal universal scale um when we have a hard time regulating ourselves with like computer chatbots (laughs) (laughs) right and is the earth flat (laughs) is it is it right i mean you know the fact that that ridiculous things are still open questions you know are it's it kind of yes it speaks to what you're saying right which is like it's cool to think about super responsible super thoughtful people moving us forward but we still struggle with very very basic challenges that you know that if we're not beyond that how do we reconcile that growing disparity between colonization of mars and you know a simple thing like you know getting reliable internet in Asheville, North Carolina. Well, right. Or like, right. Yeah. I mean, a, a practical problems like that, you know, that not, you know, not everyone has electricity, you know? Yeah. I think that's a real, a real interesting sort of dimension to, in, to innovation. So, I mean, when you think about space, it's like just at the edge of it, you know, and it sort of highlights how the disparity. Yeah. There are people who still don't have clean drinking water and we're worried about how we're going to colonize Mars. Yeah. I, you know, I think one, one lens on it though, that I, I've found helpful is that, you know, the there's cross pollinate pollinate pollination, pollen, pollination, cross pollination. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's the one. I think that's right. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, 
So, you know, a lot of stuff that goes into a space program because of all the constraints, like force a, a level of innovation in terms of like size or weight or like even code, um, like the, you know, how verbose code is because they have to send telemetry across yeah. thousands of miles. There are all these constraints that co that have innovation that then cross pollinates back into like, you know, normal everyday things, you know? Um, so maybe a way to look at it is continued investment in things that seem like super futuristic, like space exploration actually do have, um, you know, you think about something like Starlink, you know, the, um, maybe we can solve real world right now problems with, you know, advancements that are, they get, that have their roots in things like space exploration or, you know, satellite communication. Those, yeah, and that's, um, enough, yeah, glass half full kind of way to look at yeah. it. Yeah, Starlink is a super interesting example. You know, I think that it's, um, like in a lot of ways, one, the capacity they've had to launch, um, systems for communication. Uh, I think something we've recently seen is the use of like turning, turning them on and off to enable different people to have and not have access to that internet. Right which has been happening a lot in the Ukraine war. And it's like, what kind of responsibility does a private company have at that point too, to say like, we're going to be hands off. Everyone has access to this as a, uh, as a utility. How do we get from that where you're saying like, this was built for it something that was an out there idea. And how can we bring that back to say, like, this is something that now Starlink has so many satellites that um, they've enabled Internet to be a basic utility anywhere in the world. Um, yeah, that's a really good, that's a really cool, cool thought process and like cool way to look at those large advancements and how they still can benefit. Yeah. Yeah, and I think from a from a governance and management standpoint, I mean, you can draw some cues from the way that uh, you know free open source community works. You know, yeah. like a lot of a lot of open source software started as a similar idea. It's like this is kind of a it's a weird thing. It's an experiment. It can solve a niche problem, and we're going to develop a community around it. And it's basic. It's community supported. It's community governed. Like all of those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. uh, because you know, because there's utility for that library or whatever it, it, it may be, you know, thousands of people, you know, rely on it. And so there's an investment in order to, to have the utility there. There's some really important sort of big, bigger macro lessons, um, in that, you know, and sort of share responsibility and, and upkeep and that sort of thing. Um, so probably some lessons learned from that, that we could apply to the, to, to even bigger ideas, you know, more global ideas. Would you travel to space? If given the option, would I would I do a you know a, a one way mission to save humankind like you know Hollywood style like I yeah I mean I'd probably do my duty there but like would I just kind of would I take a Virgin Galactic thing that just for goes funsies. like super high and like real fast and for a quick lap around the globe I don't you know I don't know I could I think that there are all kinds of like. I like, why would well, I do this? <laughs> kind of it's a lot of money. If it was free, maybe. 
Yeah, I mean, right. There's there is <laughs> that as well. Like, I just don't. It's almost like skydiving. Like, I'm not like a was a skydiving, but I also like don't have a. I'm not like dying to do it either. I think I kind of feel the same way about it. It's like it would be like super cool, but your nah. life isn't going to be incomplete without it. <laughs> no, no. Nah. Send me the pictures. <laughs> yes, send me the pictures. I'll be, I'll be drinking somewhere in a brewery. Yeah. Yeah. What are my friends doing? <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> well, I'll I'll be back. Okay. Yes. Perfect closer. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast, powered by Gun.io. We drop two episodes per week, so if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice and come hang out with us again next week and bring all your internet friends. If you have questions or recommendations, just shoot us a Twitter DM at The Frontier Pod, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast, produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to Gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast, and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.